We are, we're glad to be with you this morning. I am Colin Packer, and I'm the lead minister, and uh, this is our family minister, Greg Hurdle. And uh, this morning, we are launching a new series called Summer of Service, and it has to do with uh, a ministry in our church we call Faith at Home. Uh, and we have different campaigns that we've done we're going to tell you about in just a moment. But Greg, why don't you kind of introduce our people uh, this morning, especially those that may be new over the last year or so, to what Faith at Home is and and how they're able to engage that as, as parts of our church. Yeah, so one of the things we believe at Greenville Oaks is that um, church and home should partner together to help faith be formed in the next generation in particular. And we believe that home is the primary place where that happens, but, but we can't do it alone, right? So we need each other. We need the church to partner with us. So a few years ago, we brought in this uh, Faith at Home initiative uh, that's a part of our church now. And the whole idea is to make it easier make it more likely, and to give a path for faith to be formed specifically in the next generation. So that's what Faith at Home is about. And these campaigns are like 90 to 120 day campaigns usually. This will be a little shorter this one during the summer, but uh, talk a little bit about the different ones we've had in the past just to kind of give a flavor of of what we've done. Sure. Well, uh, so a campaign is meant to be a specific focus on on a particular aspect of faith for a specific amount of time. And so we've done, we started with prayer at home was the first one we did. And we spent 120 days as a church praying in, in different ways and, and really engaging in, in prayer. Uh, the second one we did was called Meals at Home. And if you were around, uh, I guess, a little over two years ago, you were a part of that. And that one was a lot of fun. And, and it was cool to see the pictures of families, of small groups, of Bible classes, of just people gathering together to share meals around a table and to see uh, just the relationships that are built and the faith that, that formed through those relationships being built. And then the third one we did was party at home because we believe as Christians that we have a lot to celebrate. We're not just the stick-in-the-mud people that some out in the world want us uh, want to think we are. We actually, I think, as Christians, we have more to celebrate than anyone else. And so we took uh, some, a, few, a, a time, a period of time in our campaign to focus on living life to the fullest, just like Jesus calls us to, and to having fun together. So family ministry spent time kind of thinking about what the, the campaign would be coming up, and we came up with this idea of service. Why, why service out of all the different habits we could develop? You know, if you look at the first three campaigns that we've done, I guess, they're a little more internal. There's some external things about them, but they're a little more about us. And we felt like it was time to do more outside of ourselves, individually, and as a church, in fact, uh, three years ago, we, we had a survey, family life survey, and one of the things that you told us as a church was you wanted more opportunities to serve. And so this has been in the works for a little while, but we want to, we want to be a church. We want to be known as a church that cares about other people, not just ourselves. I mean, that's what following Jesus is about. And so this summer, we're going to focus on service. And you'd think that as Christians... It should be a, just a natural thing, right? We're Christians, we serve, but it's not always that easy because sometimes we need to have opportunities to practice. We need opportunities to form those spiritual habits. And so that's what we're going to be doing this summer. It's forming the spiritual habit and the practice of serving others. So we know many of you have stories about service that have impacted your lives. We just asked a few in our church this week about, tell us about a time you served and the impact that it made. Let's watch these videos right now. Uh, I'm Lucas Vogt. Um, I've been a member here for a while. I serve uh, with Andrew. He is part of the Shine classroom, and uh, you know, probably about once a month or maybe a little less often, I take him out of service, and I get to go play with him and entertain him, and that's really been a blessing to me. 
Um, it's not as much a thing for Andrew, it's for his grandmother. And um, it's such a blessing to see her be able to worship without having to worry about him, you know. Um, it's my way of serving her and serving her needs. I'm Greg Kaufman. About two summers ago, and a woman came up looking for help for our hotel bill for the night. Ms. Green was a Katrina refugee that had been in North Texas for several years. During that time, I heard her story and uh, saw God help me learn some lessons that I needed that no matter how far out of my comfort zone I got, God was there and helping. Hi. My name is Fred Clements, and uh, our small group decided that we were going to go to Canton after the tornado. We met with the people that we had helped for that day, and they all got up to thank us, and they, they couldn't stop from crying as they related how much they appreciated the help that they had. God helped me to see that there were things that we could do that when other people couldn't uh, repay what we had done were the best feelings that we could have. Hi, my name is Acacia Brown, and I will be a junior at Abilene Christian University. We go as a, inner, as a youth group to the inner city Houston, and I went every summer that I was in the youth group here. We did reading for about an hour, hour and a half every day to help them uh, keep up with their studies in school. And by the end of the week, she was sitting in my lap reading that book to me. Um, it also shaped my faith in a lot of ways because I saw that in a small week, I can make a huge difference in a child's life. And every summer after that, she would come up to me and hug me because she remembered me. So Greg and I were talking this week about our own stories of service. You were telling a story about actually impact was related to that, what Acacia was talking about. Yeah, where Acacia uh, was, was talking about going to impact. And for me, that was, uh, that was a place, I grew up in Houston. It's an inner city church in Houston. And when I was 13, I had a leader in our student ministry that invited me and some of my friends to come just do the puppets in our Bible hour time, in, or in their Bible hour time. And so I went, and it was the first experience I had had that looked so different from my own church experience where we were serving a meal to homeless people in this park right in the shadow of downtown Houston and, and getting to experience these, this diversity of people and then getting to go with all these kids and do, I got to do the puppet show for them and I got to, to be a part of leading singing and all the stuff that you do in a kid's Bible hour. And it, it shaped me because I, I want to say that that's probably one of the first times that I really thought that ministry was something I wanted to do and could do. And I'm so thankful that Larry... Uh, our middle school guy that was just helping in our Bible class invited me to help. So, in fact, another cool part of that story is from going back, uh, let's see, Sydney Reynolds, one of our former high school students, she's a college student now, she's spending her second summer there as an intern, where she'll spend the whole summer. And she sent me a text yesterday, about 4.30 yesterday, at a service event they were doing, and it was a picture, and she said, look who I, look who I found. And it was a picture of my dad. So um, I said, say hi to him for me. She said she already had, so that's good. Anyway, but it's cool to see how that is playing out, even in the lives of some of our students. So I have lots of stories I could share. I remember one particular where there were some Abilene Christian students who came to San Diego where my dad was preaching at the time. We were in the small church, and they came to, to bless us, but really to bless and serve our community. And actually, we crossed the border into Mexico and went to a place called the City of Children in Ensenada. Some of you may have been there in the past. It's a, an orphan's home. And 
it was a powerful moment just to get to see what God can do. And then to realize this isn't just an, an issue other places. This is an opportunity we have in our own areas to bless those who are around us and to realize poverty is not a one-sided thing for those who don't have resources. We all are impoverished in different ways or another. And I saw the gifts that, uh, that the children in Ensenada had of joy that I, I really saw was missing in my own life. And it really woke me up. Many of you have had those experiences when you've done cross-cultural mission trips or you've done it in your own city or you've served uh, wherever it is that's your place of, 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 of wherever we live is, is a calling to be on mission and is impactful. I want to pray as we start our, our time in the Word this morning and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll share more about this idea and this campaign ahead. God, we, we ask today that this would not be most about a project for people who need us, but it would be us realizing that we need others, God. We need relationships with a more diverse group than what sometimes gathers here on Sunday mornings, God. Uh, that we are impoverished when we are not in connection with the diversity of your kingdom across the globe and even here in Collin County. So God, I pray that these months ahead would provide opportunities for us, God, to learn, to get to know names, to get to know stories, to have our biases and our expectations change, God, because you're the one who writes our stories and you're already in the places we assume we're taking you to at work. Help us to see that, God, even as we begin tonight with service. God, would you allow us to see how you're at work in this world and, uh, and help and to join and, and partner with you in that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning we're beginning a four-week sermon series on Summer of Service. I want to talk about uh, over the next three weeks, okay, what kind of things do we think about before we serve? And then how do, we, how do we serve while we serve? How do we see God at work? And then after we serve, how do we celebrate and discern what God did while we were engaged in service? And what's the next step ahead as well? But today, we want to launch this campaign by telling you just a couple reasons why we think service is so important. Uh, and so I'm going to let Greg go first to kind of share the first of those. Uh, so what's one of the reasons it's so important for us as Christians to serve? All right, my point is very simple this morning, and it, it almost seems too simple, but I think it's really important for us to remember how simple it is. The reason that we are called to serve is because we're Christians. That's the point. We are Christians. Sometimes we forget what Christian actually means. It means little Christ or followers of Jesus, that by following Jesus, we're called to imitate him. When we gave our lives to Jesus as Lord, we said, I want to be like the person I follow. I want to be like Jesus. And Jesus sets an example of service for us that we're called to mimic, that we're called to imitate. Uh, A passage that's really important to me in this comes from Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read this together. I'm going to read it off the screen here because it's a little different version than I have. Let's read this together this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. See, Paul says we are to mimic the mindset and the attitude of Jesus. And the order is very important. 
Because you see, God is the one who initiates. Jesus is the one who initiates coming into the world. Paul, I, I see this in Paul's letters in different places. I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when he talks about the ministry of reconciliation. Because if we're going to serve people, in a lot of ways, that's what we're doing. We are part of the ministry of reconciliation. In a broken world, God is using us. And he says that God is the one who initiates that reconciliation with us, not the other way around. We don't come to God first. God comes to us first. And he does that through Jesus. And this passage points that out to us. It shows us that. God is the one always who makes the first step. Think about it this way. Jesus was the first missionary. He comes to us. And we're called to be missionaries as well. Not just throughout the world, but to our neighbor, to our friends, to people in our own community. And even, as I mentioned in first service, to the people who are closest to us sometimes. Sometimes the hardest people for us to serve are the ones that are closest to us. Sometimes I get into serving a friend in need or somebody that I just meet randomly or going somewhere else to serve and I forget to serve my wife or my kids or my dad, or or other people that are close to me. But we're missionaries to them as well. We're bringing them the ministry of reconciliation as well. We're always responding to the grace and mercy of God. God gave us grace to give grace to others. God gives us mercy to give mercy to others. Paul uses the same logic when it comes to service, serving others. Think about this. Jesus chose to leave his place in the heavens. He chose to give up heaven, the presence of the Father, to come down to earth among us and to live as a servant. Jesus chose to take on human flesh. Jesus chose to go to the cross. Jesus chose to be a servant. So I'm thinking about stories about Jesus, right? There's all kinds of stories where he was serving. I think about just a simple conversation with a Samaritan woman, right? Mm-hmm. Asking for water. But at the same time, he's there and he's engaging and he's, he's, he's wanting to engage her story more carefully. I'm thinking about lepers that he healed and a woman who has a bleeding issue, right? That just touches the hem of his garment. But he doesn't just let that be it. He, he calls around and wants her to know that he sees her, right? Even these small interactions can have the most important impact. Yeah, think about the blind man on the side of the road yelling for him. That wasn't where Jesus was heading at the time, but he saw the need and he met it. And I love those stories. My favorite story of all is is John 13, where it's the Last Supper. Jesus knows time is short. And and the way I like to picture this is anytime you have a a family gathering or a group of friends that you know you're not going to see for a while, or it's a very special moment that you just know in that moment you're around the table and This is something different, and we're not going to have this quite like this again, at least for a while. And I don't know that the disciples fully realize that, but Jesus does. And Jesus is the host of this meal, and it's a sacred meal, the Passover. And they gather, and they come, and there's no servant to wash the feet because Jesus intentionally set it up that way. When everybody gets there and gets to the table, Jesus is the one who takes off his garments and takes, goes from the position of the head of the table to the servant, and washes each disciple's feet. And he says, this is the most excellent way. I'm going to show you how it's to be done. And the purpose, what he told his disciples, was I've done this to you, now do what? Go and do this for others. We get to model Jesus. We get to mimic Jesus and what he's modeled for us. So the first reason that we serve is because Jesus served and we're called to follow him. And we trust that. 
The second reason I want to talk about today comes from uh, the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open with me. Matthew chapter 5. It's in the Sermon on the Mount that I want to read these words to you from. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Listen to this, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, Jesus talks about two different elements, right? Salt and light. And salt, we know, is something that gives flavor to food. But back in those days, it was even bigger than that, right? Meat would spoil were it not for a preservative. And salt played the role of that preservative. And so just as the world is in decay in so many ways that we see around us, that we're a part of that decay, our own lives, our own bodies. But we serve as salt to try to preserve a world that God is trying to redeem and restore and reconcile. And then light. This picture of light is given. That uh, In our day, we, we can disrupt the rhythms of day and night. We have electricity at our disposal all the time. But if you've ever been on a mission trip to a place where they don't know if power is going to be there or not, you've got to make decisions differently. Uh, you go to bed when it's nighttime. And you wait for the sun to wake you up. But Jesus says, look, Christians, in a way, your role is to be the light of the world. Wherever there's darkness, you shine a light. You don't complain that the darkness isn't shining. No, it's your job to shine that light. And so we, we shine that light into the world. And I want you to notice what Jesus says specifically about what the light is. When He says we're the light of the world, listen to what He says. Again, verse 16, the first half. In the same way, let your light shine before others. And what does He say after that? What's the reason for that? So they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, the light of the world that we are, the light that we shine are the good deeds that we do. And what's the purpose of those good deeds? Well, some of us do good deeds to be seen, uh, maybe to uh, count service hours and get out of a a spot we're in or to do service because of school. Uh, But what Jesus says is, no, you do your good deeds not so you can be seen and glorified, but so that God can get the glory. This is what we were made to do. God has given us uh, so much, and, and we glory in Him. And when we live our lives in tune with the way He wants us to, we're giving glory back to God. When we make mistakes and when we, we go a different direction, we're actually taking glory away from Him. Or sometimes we point to ourselves with that glory. It never turns out well. Chaos is always the result of that, isn't it? I did a series a few months ago. Some of you got to hear about idolatry. And the whole idea about idolatry is idolatry is anything that we put before God. Any created thing that we elevate to try to make more of it than God can make of us. And anytime we do that, there's chaos that's the result, right? Anytime a created thing takes that place, Going to create sin, that sin creates chaos and dysfunction in our lives. In fact, in, in Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about the reason for that dysfunction. And it plays into this whole idea uh, that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5. This is Romans chapter 1, where Paul writes these words to the church at Rome. Listen, listen to these words. This is beginning uh, in verse uh, 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth 
about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. What's Paul saying? He's saying our job is to give glory to God. When that doesn't happen, God says, you can have what you want. I'll hand you over to those things. But dysfunction is always the result of us not glorifying God first and foremost. What Jesus says in Matthew 5 is an antidote to that. It's supposed to be a picture to the world to say, shine your light. Do your good deeds. And why do you do your good deeds? So that people will glorify God and step out of the dysfunction that all of us get caught up in from time to time. History actually talks about this and proves that this is a reality. That when Christians live out as salt and light what they're supposed to, people notice and they give glory to God. In fact, in 165 AD, there was a guy named Marcus Aurelius who was uh, leading the, uh, the, the, the Roman Empire at that time. And there was an epidemic that came that killed about a third uh, or a quarter to a third of the population in the Roman Empire. Think about that. A third of the people just gone. Something like smallpox, they think, that probably did it. And, and, and Marcus Aurelius ends up dying, actually, in this. But there's a second epidemic that comes up. And in that second epidemic, it's so bad that 5,000 people are dying every single day in Rome, 2nd century A.D. What happens is the people in the empire kind of flee. They run because nothing that Zeus would tell you to do would tell you to stay and help people who are in a time of need like that. You run. You preserve yourself, right? Survival of the fittest. But the Jesus followers were following exactly the first point we made it. They were following what Jesus told them to do. They stayed and they cared for those who were sick. And all of a sudden, you see this small group of Jesus followers that starts to begin to swell and grows because they're the people who stuck around when everybody else ran off. In fact, uh, there's a, a sociologist named Rodney Stark who says this is one of the major reasons that the Christian religion, that Christianity grew, was because here were people who followed Jesus when everyone else was running away. In fact, there's a couple quotes I want to share with you that share the story about all this. One of them is from a, a bishop in the third century, a, a guy named uh, Dionysius. He wrote this about those early Christians' actions. He says, heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering uh, to them in Christ and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. But it wasn't just Christians or bishops who noticed this. Actually, one of the enemies of the Christian faith, a guy named Julian the Apostate, which that's quite a name, right? Julian the Apostate is this emperor in the late 4th century. This is what he has to say about those Christians. He calls them Galileans, referring to the followers of Jesus, right, who grew up in in Nazareth of Galilee. Listen to what he says uh, as he's challenging his own people about the, the, the way the Christians are serving. I think that when the poor happen to be neglected and overlooked by the priests, that's the Roman priests, the impious Galileans, those Christians, observed this and devoted themselves to benevolence. The impious Galileans support not only their own poor, but ours as well. Everyone can see that our, lack, uh, our people lack aid from us. See what's happening? These Christians are caring for people who aren't willing to care for their own because they're following a Savior who is willing to give up his own life on behalf of others. This is the model of what we commit to as Christians. Part of what Sebastian was saying, just as all of us who were baptized have said in the past, is we're committing to follow 
Jesus wherever that road takes us. Sometimes there's danger, and sometimes there's great joy, and sometimes there's joy even within the great danger. But God calls us to a life of service. So we have an opportunity this summer to do the same thing those early Christians did. And who knows, there may be a plague or an epidemic, and it may not look quite as epic as that. But there are ways that we have a chance to serve, to walk beside others, to put ourselves even in harm's way, to love everyone we encounter. And we look forward to doing that this summer. We want to talk about that specifically. So Greg, you guys have come up with a challenge for us as a church. What, what's that challenge that we have this summer? Right, so any of you that have been around for the last few months, if you read the Journey newsletter that we put out at the beginning of this year, we said that we had a goal of 10,000 hours of service for our church for this year. When we started talking about it and really looking at the numbers, we thought, you know what, that's not big enough. We've been challenged to, to have bigger goals, bigger dreams, bigger visions. So what we've decided is we want to challenge Greenville Oaks as a church to participate in 10,000 hours of service this summer. So that's our, that's our goal, and that's what we're going to measure. So we're going to measure that, but the reality is why are we measuring hours? Because hours have something to do with people, right? Right. It's not just about the hours. It's not, it's not just to get a notch on your belt or to get the form filled out for school or any of that. I mean, there are times where you have to have those things. But ultimately, if we're imitating Christ, it's about the people we're serving. It's about the, the people who are going to be blessed and see the light of Jesus through us, see the reflection of God's glory from us in what we're doing and that God will be honored. That's what it's about. And it's about us learning not just to, to serve when it's convenient for us, but to serve whenever there's a need. We're, there are two words we're keying in on, awareness and action. Being aware of the needs around us and acting on them in the moment. And it may take some time or it might just take 10 minutes. It might just be something your neighbor needs. It might be something that your family member needs, but being aware of the needs around us and meeting those. And what I love on stage is a representation of just yeah. those two things, right? Last week we made you aware. We said there are kids yeah. that uh, have uh, breakfast and lunch provided during the school year, but during the summer that's not always the case. And that's here in Collin County, here in Allen. And ACO, Allen Community Outreach, has is, is, is got a drive, and we're going to help do that. We don't want them to go without food. We want them to have food. And look at the response. You, you became aware, and you took action. And that's what we want to see as a habit in our lives over and over again. Become aware. Some of you are going to come and bring things to us this summer because you become aware of things you weren't aware of before. Bring those things to us. Let yeah. us know how we can respond and take action along those lines. Some of you are going, to, are going to come to us and it'll change the whole course of the summer. That's what's exciting about this. This is a journey together. But 10,000 hours sounds like a lot. How, how do we pull off 10,000 hours together? Let's look at it this way. Roughly, if everyone in our church spent one hour a week over the next 10 weeks serving other people, then we would reach that 10,000-hour goal. And I think, I believe we're going to do it. In fact, there's a part of me that believes that we're not just going to hit that 10,000-hour goal, that we're going to run past it. Because I know the heart of this church, and I know that, I know for some of you in conversations that I've had, you've just been waiting, well, how, how can I get involved? Well, now's the time for us to do that, and we want to help you with that. So as people leave today, they should be getting materials when they walk out. Run us through a few of those things you guys have prepared so that we, uh, we can do this best. There are three things, and they'll also be available in the Faith at Home Center with other resources. But we're going to have a guide for you. And one of the things that we've learned is that it's important not just to go and do a service opportunity, not just to, not just to take advantage of opportunities around us, but to actually talk about them. So One of the things we found out, whether it's with your family or a group of families or a small group or a Bible class, 
have a little conversation beforehand. And we've given you a conversation you can have based on the passage that Colin used this morning. And then some things to be aware of, some things to do while you're serving. And then a follow-up conversation of just some discussion questions that you can ask after the service experience is over, mainly for the point of, of helping to point out what God is doing in the midst of that. Because we're not just serving for service sake. Remember, we are serving to bring glory to God. And these conversations help make that happen. Two other things you're going to get. We have a calendar of some events that we're going to have, that we're offering for you as families. You saw the, the video for Impact Week. We want you to sign up and be a part of that. That's going to be a huge week. But we've got some other things going on this summer too that we want you to come and be a part of, and we want to offer those opportunities to you. And it, let's face it, it's more fun when we do this together, right? And when people see us working together and serving together, it says something to our community about our love for one another and our love for the people around us. Something like, love God, love people, serve others, right? <laughs> and then the last thing you're going to get is a card that says, looking for more ways to serve with some steps and some community partners on the back. These are some people, Jenny Morgan helped us contact several of these places to tell them what we're doing this summer, that we want to partner with them. And so these are places that we've talked with. Uh, There are other places out there. You know some that aren't on this list. Feel free to use those. Again, like we said, serve your neighbors. Serve coworkers. Serve people you meet, you know, in the grocery store. we We just want to serve. We want to be aware and we want to act. And let's also remember, when we're working with service organizations, Most of the time, they do not have large staffs. They do not have large budgets. So be patient with them when you go to work with them. Have the same attitude as that of Christ. There we go. Very good. Very good. So, yes, that's well well said. So uh, how are we going to measure these 10,000 hours? It's great to put out a goal. But uh, what can people do? Like, for instance, many of them went and and shopped for these these items on stage. That's part of the service, right? Yeah. Yep. You, you, how, how do you go online and, and make sure that's accounted for? So here's what you can do. Uh, you can go to our church website, greenvilleoaks.org, and you can click on the banner. The Summer of Service banner will be the first thing that you see. If you click on that, that will take you to our Summer of Service page with all of our Summer of Service information on there. Scroll down just a little bit, and there'll be a button that says Record Your Hours. And that will take you to a, a page. Take you to a page where you can simply record hours for yourself or for your family or for your small group. Um, and there are other ways. We, we hope that Bible classes will serve together as well. But like Colin said, this week, my daughters and I went to Kroger to pick up groceries. We spent about 20 minutes there. We had a blast. It was fun hearing them. I let them decide which of the items they wanted to pick. And they're like, should we get three or four of these? I'm like, yeah, just throw it in. You know, and it was fun. And then we recorded, we logged that as one hour. For our family, because 20 minutes for three of us, because my wife's still with her mom, um, but the three of us, 20 minutes, that's one hour, right? And so those minutes add up, and they're fun, too. A lot of times they're fun. Not everything will be fun, but we just want to take advantage of every opportunity that we can to serve. The other thing we want is not just, we don't want to just have hours, but we want to have stories. So if you have stories for what happens this summer, if you have stories from people you meet, from people you engage with, we want you to share those. There's a web, or a, an email address, serve at greenvilleoaks.org, and you can email us your stories. We also want pictures, but just be careful. Make sure that, you know, if you're the center of the picture that you're taking while you're serving, that's probably not exactly what we are looking no for. No selfies is what we're saying, okay? Um, 
Selfies are okay, but we want to be aware of the situations around us and what's going on around us. If it's, if it's only selfies of you, check me out what I did today. You know, remember what, who we're trying to give glory to in this. Is we're trying to honor others and serve others and give glory to God as we do this. So today at lunch, this is how we want to kind of launch this. Is as you're having lunch with your, your family, your friends, whoever you're with, uh, or later this week as you get with, uh, with others, uh, ask the question to each other, what, what do we want to do this summer? What does it look like for us to engage each week with about a week of service? What are the gifts that we have? What are the passions that we have? Where's God calling us to serve? And it'll be exciting to hear what your kids will say yeah. along those lines. And, and we want you to dream about this as well because we think God's going to do tremendous things as we step in. And, and some of you will want to do this in areas of strength. I would challenge some of you who've never done some things in certain areas, uh, step out of your place of strength. See what God does in the midst of your weakness. Uh, to maybe learn some new, uh, uh, so, some new skills, meet some new people, uh, step out of your comfort zone. And, uh, and so we, we want to do that. Tonight, uh, we have an opportunity, and uh, we're going to be serving tonight, so you can log some hours already by uh, coming up. What we're going to do is we're going to have our FX, our family experience, there's going to be a, an opportunity to, to have a, a lot of fun doing that. But afterward, we have, we're going to have tables with all this food to be able to sort them into bags so that we can take them over to ACO. Bring, bring whoever you want, come. Come uh, fill those bags, and, and let's uh, do that service to start tonight. We'll also have uh, inflatables and, and food truck and all kinds of fun tonight uh, after our FX program, and so you'll want to be here, every single one of you. This isn't just for kids, not just for grandkids, for all of us. We want, as a church, to begin our service in this way uh, and to start summer right. Well, right now, I want to uh, say a prayer, and, uh, and then we'll close our time with a benediction that I want to I share with you. God, we, we give thanks for this, uh, for this day. We give thanks for... Uh, the ways you've given us our hands and feet to serve. God, I pray as we leave these doors today, we would be reminded that you are not just found in a building. You are found out there in the world in places we intend to take you. You're already there at work, God. There's people of peace all around us that we have not yet gotten to know. There are people of peace in our neighborhood, God, just a few feet away from this building that we don't yet know that we can partner with. And God, I pray those opportunities and stories would would come, God, that we get to see you at work and, and believe that it's not just what you did thousands of years ago that's recorded in Scripture, but you're still alive and you're still active and you're still at work and you use us and we're grateful for that. God, as we engage this ministry of reconciliation, would you, would you guide our paths and our steps, God? In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.